0: This episode is brought to you by Northern Rural Supplies. Northern Rural Supplies proudly service the Kimberley and Pilbara region specialising in livestock sales, real estate, animal health and management, fencing, fertiliser, water and all other requirements. They stock your everyday needs to feed your dogs, cats, horses, chooks, camels and even goats. The whole team is based in Broome, so make sure you give them a call for all of your agricultural and semi-rural needs. Ariat boots and clothing work hard, look good, and are so comfortable there's never a need to slow down. Visit ariat.com.au today.
1: Tourists, where do I begin? Well, first of all, as I was going to write the introduction to this episode... I realised how weird the plural version of that word is. Tourist. I can say that fine. But tourists? Mm, I'm not so sure about that one. Because I feel like I'm not pronouncing the second T. Seems a bit dodgy. Anyway. Tourists are part and parcel of life in the outback. And while some are worth their weight in gold, others just make life that little bit harder. In this best of episode... I've pulled together a few yarns about tourists from previous episodes. And to any tourists listening, we do love you. Sort of. But please, plan ahead. Have backups of everything. And let someone know where you're going. Safe travels.
2: Looking back now, it's funny. At the time, it wasn't. So it was like a Sunday afternoon, I think it was. And Ben's little sister, she lives in Port Hedland, so she was heading out of the driveway to go back to town. She gets to the end of the driveway, she she calls Ben. She's like, "Guys, there's a fire up near up near Sandfire." And the boys like, "Okay, you know where is? So they went up to check it out, and on their way up, they got to the parking bay, which there's like a parking bay about a kilometer back towards Port Hedland, and it's usually like. People will either just they just camp there the night because they can, instead of going to Sandfire or staying at the caravan park. So they get there and there's this old dude standing there, and it's like just this massive wall of flame, just like going off into our paddocks because we had like the strongest sea breeze in the afternoon. And he's just standing there with his hands on his hips, and the boys like, "Hey, mate, what's going on here?" He's like, "Oh, yeah, I didn't think it would get away." And and Ben and Dave just looked at each other. They're like, how did it even, like, how? And then old mate's like, oh, I was just trying to cook myself a feed. And the boys, the old mate took the boys over. And he decided to try and cook his camp oven feed on a spinifex bush. (laughs) So he didn't even go and get any wood or, you know, try and make a fire on the the flat where there's no highly volatile grasses like Spinifex. He just put his little camp oven on top of this Spinifex bush and lit the Spinifex bush on fire and then the, the the Westerly just carried it off into the into the paddock and the boys are like What were you thinking? Like that's not good fire etiquette.
1: <laughs> I love that he was still there by the time the boys got there yeah. and then he wasn't like, oh, I need to move my motor car. Like, what if this, you know, catches on yeah. fire or maybe I'll run up to Sandfire and be like, help, help, yeah. like, you know. Or it he's... wasn't
2: me and just drive away. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> not that we recommend anyone do that. Always no. own up to those kind of mistakes. Yeah. But be safe at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, how do the boys take that? I can, that were, I can only imagine
2: Benno's face. They were very gobsmacked. Like, you know, most people have pretty good idea of, fire safety and when it comes to cooking on a campfire yeah it's just it's just one of those moments that you go through and you're just like what were you thinking like thank he got a pretty good lecture and i'm sure it will never happen again because now he's a full bottle on uh, fire safety and how to build a campfire and how to you know cook a camp oven Courtesy so, of Ben Mills. Courtesy of Ben and David. So anyone out there do not try and cook a camp oven on Spin Effects Bush because it's just not how it works.
1: <laughs> please don't set a fire don't. anywhere on <laughs> <I> Mandora. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Keep
2: your fires to yourself.
1: <laughs> and um what ended up happening with that fire? How big did it get and how do they how do they manage it?
2: Um we just let it burn so at that, that stage where it went there was I think there was only like twenty cows sort of living out there and it wasn't really Anywhere near where they were going to be, so we just let it let it burn out into the into the pin down, and we were going to develop that country anyway, so it would have needed burning before we did it. So it was kind of it was kind of good that it happened, but it would have been nice to just been able to do it on our watch, on your yeah, on your terms, yeah, yeah, do it a bit more. And control. lucky
1: lucky that Kelly was driving out that afternoon yeah. because <laughs> even though your driveway isn't that long, it's you know you can't le- less than twenty k's, and but you can't you're kind of in a little bit of a hollow here, and you can't see you know well that's the the same with most stations though like even if you were somewhere up high the station like we said is what a quarter of a million acres if you fire somewhere down the other end like how are you going to know until it's now what actually happens when it when you say it burnt out into the desert yeah just for those of us who aren't super fiery um well let's be honest i'm fiery but i'm not very fire um (laughs) literate (laughs) yeah um it just keeps burning and then what makes it die out like it just you just hit like a clay pan or a big mob of sand or something where it literally got nothing to burn? or just the
2: wind dies. The wind will either die down or run into a patch of country that has already been burnt.
1: You always have – well, I find stations – You've always got people come in a stay or dropping in and especially you're on a very popular tourist track, the Udna track. Yeah. Um, you must, you know, I know even your mailman brings tourists by, like that's part of his business. Um, so you're meeting people all the time. Have you met anyone? What, you know, what's your best? Other, other than family
3: on? and friends of family, I suppose the, well, the most, I wouldn't even say famous because they don't even, he doesn't even class himself as famous. He's just a, man with balls of steel, if you ask me, is uh, Justin Jones. So he's a lad with another chap, s- kayaked solo over to, from Sydney to New Zealand and also uh, unassisted that was and also went and walked all across the North and South Pole like, oh, unassisted. And he actually done a trip, so that was pretty well unassisted as well, walking from out near... Yeah, uh, out near Ayers Rock, out on the Western Australia, uh, Northern Territory border, down to Port Augusta, him and his wife, just with a couple of little buggies and their little kid. And he called in with his wife. And I didn't know him from Barossa. Soap, didn't even know, the name never tweaked. They did meet, uh, email to say, yeah, we're just going to drop in to get some, like, some rainwater and bits and pieces. And I said, yep, yeah, no worries. Anyway, got talking. had We had dinner with with him that night, and it, something come up ran, completely random, about Justin Jones, and then his wife just said, "I'll oh, Google this." Nothing to do with his exploring or anything. It was something to do with dinner dates or something like that, and because we were just taking the piss out of him, and they left that night. And I go, I googled him, and what I found on Google about this bloke was just blew my mind because for a start he like i said i just i hate the ocean for a start and here he is like i don't know how many days i think it was 63 or something I, he was ages out on the ocean just with a him and a mate just trying to kayak across to the other side of the the dip and yeah here he was right you know i didn't even know but until I said to him the next morning, I was like, I'm oh, sorry, I had no idea. And he, he said, no, I don't I – don't, I didn't want you to know who I was pretty well. So, But, you know, we looked after them pretty well for a couple of days. And, you know, they're bloody good people because, you know, they repaid the favour. They got us to go – they live, lived over in Bondi. They don't now, but they lived over there. And then, you know, as a kind gesture, they put us up – in the main drag of Bondi and showed us around Sydney for a couple of days. But, yeah, like, that, that's just the start of – see, where I was back down in the Flinders Ranges, you, you wouldn't meet people like that. It's just, Like you said, it's because you live in such a unique part of South Australia and it's really in middle of nowhere. People do make the effort to call in.
1: Considering you've got people doing the drop-in, like, that's probably at one end of the spectrum. Like, wouldn't you like it if they were all like that? Yeah. You know, if everyone who did the drop-in – um, was of that calibre, but of wh- what I'm sure you've got some stories of people at the other end of the calibre of that you kind of wish had just never turned off. <laughs> on oh, driveway driveway.
3: There's plenty of people, like even when I lived at Mount Sarah, that's sort of 80 kilometres out from Udenadada, uh, and the road was closed. Like there's there's plenty of people with caravans and stuff coming out this way. They don't even look at road closures or anything, but the road was more so. Impassable from the on the other side of us because there was creeks running and they couldn't get through it. But there was some boggy stuff between Mount Sierra and Udendale. And I was going in to pick up food supplies, but which I know the road was closed, but from where Aaron we could get in there, no worries at all. But was, there's was one chap there that tried to come out with a caravan and four kids and he was bogged to the. He was bogged to the ass to be fair. And anyway I was the rope was clo he wouldn't have seen people. It was lucky that we went in to get supplies otherwise. I wouldn't have gone down that way for four or five days as it was, but as it was, I we towed him out and literally the kids jumped in the car, his wife jumped in the car, he jumped in the car, bang, see you later. Didn't even say thanks for that or anything. It was just like it was a given and he turned around and went back in it. but I was like if I knew you weren't even going to say gee thanks I would have left him there anyway but there's there's plenty of people like that
1: yeah it's really one spectrum to the other isn't it
3: yeah but you know I wouldn't have done that but I would like to have think I thought I would have done that but yeah there luckily there is more oh, there is good. more but good people than then bad people come out this way.
1: Yeah, so if anybody's listening and you're yeah. going to come be a tourist around the Oodendata track, um, be like the first guy, don't be like yeah. the second guy. Absolutely.
4: At this time of year, actually all the time of year, probably once a week we'd have some tourists that have decided to – head off road down the Plenty courtesy of Google and or Apple Maps and find themselves in some sort of situation that just terrifies them and then generally around the campfire wherever we are they hear sort of further stories that lead to the situation that you saw this morning which is usually either lots of tears or frustration or anger or desperation by about half past seven in the morning. so And yeah. so what was this girl worried about? Well, she... would Taken off down the Plenty in a car that probably shouldn't be out of in inner city, I'd have to say. Like, they don't even have a spare tire on this particular model. And, um, not realizing that the Plenty Highway is dirt because they've done a Google or an Apple search and they've just kept going. Like, most people go, rather than turn back, they go, well, will just keep going. Maybe it'll stop. And they got to a point where, excuse me, they got to a point where they, um, got a flat tire and, Don't have any spare. So this particular model car has like a compressor and a can of green goo to get yourself out of any heavy duty situation, which of course wasn't much use. So another kind tourist had um, stopped and picked them up and brought them into us last night. So we just had to have a little bit of a powwow and try to figure out how to get them out of their predicament because of course they're in the very, very common 19 inch wheel low profile tire that we all carry here at stations just for this situation should they need it. So yeah, we're um but I'm sure we'll work something out over the course of the day. But yeah, she's um she's not alone. It happens quite a bit. Yeah, so like generally a tourist biggest worry when they come in without their car is that there's a lot of like it's quite common for people who either break down or um who suffers some sort of damage because sometimes it is serious damage like it'll be an engine failure that it's it just costs too much money to tow a car from here so a lot of cars do get abandoned and then after a certain point they they get whether it's trashed or they just get all the good bits taken off them by anybody who passes by it's it's fairly common on a lot of these outback roads but as you can appreciate around the campfire stories get embellished so yeah they kind of lead these most tourists had find themselves in predicament, other tourists or people at the station make them all realise that it could happen like that night. So yeah, there's in this particular case one of the tourists had sort of been a bit heavy on the on the stories and yeah, she thought she's gonna go out there this morning and just have a frame left over. <laughs> <laughs> Poor
1: thing. Yeah, that would be terrifying. I think about that sometimes when I just go into the shops though, like not that they're going to take all the bits of my car, but you know, when I'm traveling at the moment and I've got like my saddle and my angle and my cameras and this podcast gear and depending on what town I'm in, like when I was in Queensland recently, I like, oh, this will be fine. But you know, sometimes you go into certain towns, you're like, is, can I? And you like running into wheelies and like bolting around as fast as you can. Like, Got to get back to my car. I don't know if someone's going to try and like flog my stuff. Uh, you said this happens about once a week. What are some of the other
4: tourist experiences that you've had? Ah, uh, like we have this sort of thing. I think are the best ones in this region. That you know, I know us and. And the guys at Manas Creek and, and Glen Ormiston, we're sort of all pretty close proximity. I often feel the pain is over the wet sort of season or your, your sort of November, December, where it, there's not as many people on the roads and it's extremely hot. We generally get, you know, tourists doing a trip of the lifetime, again, courtesy of a Google or an Apple map, with no, just no <laughs> planning or even ringing your head or anything. And um, I guess probably the, the most unfortunate recent one, well, there was two, but we had a family um, towed. We'd had some rain and then about three or four days later we had a Volvo towed in by um, some locals from uh, Borneo who'd just been coming through the back roads and came out and found this family who'd driven down the Dandy Road um, and had food but no water and it had rained and so they'd driven their volvo just straight into a bog and been bogged there for three days and were drinking out of puddles when these when um, the bunny guys grabbed them helped them and they towed them all the way to here which is like a two and a half hour tow so i got them to us and um there was language sort of thing so but one of the little girl that was with this particular family was great helping that out and we sort of Told them what to do. They they were from Victoria, I think, and hadn't really been out of the city on the Uluru trip of a lifetime. And got them, we said, that you've got to go back on the bitumen and go up to Camwell and just stick to the bitumen. That's the way you go on a Volvo and where you guys, and you won't get lost, etc. cetera. Um, gave them quite explicit directions to go out of our driveway, which is about a K and a half long, and turn left to go back to Bulliurr. We wrote it down, we explained it. We waved them off, with packed lunch and um, about half an hour, half an hour, 45 minutes later, my husband came back in the chopper and just said, Get down to the creek. <laughs> that car's floating the flooded river. <laughs> I'm like, what? So we've all a couple of us up here just ran down and raced down, and and here it is in the middle of the creek. Which when they left, it was at point like one, and when they've come back, gone gone through, it was at point six. And he's just driven straight into it, and then obviously revved his car to try and get out of it, which has flood, which is that's the end of the Volvo. Not that he realised that at the time. Meanwhile, the the other ladies there with a coffee cup, trying to bail out like this rushing creek that's coming, <laughs> bail it out with a with a cup. Little girl in the back's is trying to like pull all of her CDs and stuff up and got her feet over thing, and and he's just trying to get out the window, not knowing what to do. and I'm like, get out of the car, <laughs> river. So we pulled them out and, um, but yeah, trying to explain to them that your car is now written off, you you know, insurance over the next few days, and we flew them back into town and. Um, once it, that all got sorted, but yeah, you know, they're very grateful. And, you know, the, the two, my husband and, and Simon, the fellas, it sort of gave him the biggest hand. He gifted a, a beautiful set of golf clubs, which we're still going to try and set up the two more yokes somewhere here and have some competition. But, um, yeah, flew them into town and, and got them home. But it's, yeah, it's just, there is a story like that probably every two weeks. Like the next two weeks after that, there was like people getting stuck and hot, wiring. Uh, road crew rollers to try and drive out of it. To yeah,
1: it's at least they knew how to hotwire stuff. I'd be buggered. I wouldn't know how to hotwire anything.
4: I was. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't impressed by that. That, that particular group of people had like um, left two cars on an intersection and survivor style had written like help on the road with sticks and trees and had a fire going. Um, they'd run out of petrol and. Yeah, the, the ones that had gone up the road, it had just been a, a button that they hadn't had pressed. But yeah, they hot wired the roller and, and then walked for another 20K in 50 degree heat, which, you know, you've got to give them the credit for. But obviously you can also die doing that. So. Yeah. So I can't emphasize
1: this point enough for anybody listening. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I grew up in this city and somehow I still feel like I knew the rule before I came out to stations that you always stay with the vehicle. Like when you are doing a search or an aerial search or for somebody that's missing, it is so much easier to spot a vehicle than a body. Because let's be honest, if you leave your vehicle nine out of 10 times, you're probably going to perish. So if you perish by any means, at least like it's easier to find someone in a vehicle than under a tree, under a bush gosh knows what direction they've gone like just stay with the vehicle
4: yeah 100 percent. and and but yeah I, i'm the same i learned to very. but yeah always stay within the amount of people that don't it does it makes it so much hard to find you and it also we don't know what direction that you've gone in because pretty much for the, the six it's stations that are finding lost people uh we work with the police room, but we're the ones that people come to or we're the people that they've run so it's um as i said like Glenn Ormiston, ourselves, and Manners do a lot just because of the position that we're in and we're, our location, the territory, and we work with Hearts Range and we work with Bully Police and a Police. But yeah, we can chuck a helicopter up and try and find you, but if you've left it, we've got nowhere even to know where to start. And yes, yeah, so I'm a bit of a I'm pretty stern with people when they come. Yeah, in. like just never.
1: I just I just don't know really of any circumstances where somebody has left the vehicle and it's turned out good. No. Like, and so not only are you going to perish, then there's the trauma of someone else tra- finding you. Once you leave that, like, you just – people could be anywhere. Like, you don't know what direction. It's, so you can't – foot traps, you know, wind, whatever. Like, it's just
4: – Yeah, and I think people forget, you know, especially if you haven't – like, I don't think anybody does it on purpose. purpose like, yeah. there are some really silly people, but on, on the majority it's a mistake. But uh And I think it's also a reflection – of the internet culture at the minute where, you know, get around Brisbane or Melbourne or Sydney, you know, pop out your device and do your map search and go there. It's not okay to do that when you're travelling three, four, kilometres in the outback. It just doesn't have the information that you need. And, um, you know, I always say just go to the op shop and buy a map book for two bucks because you also don't have range. You don't have anything like that. We use like Hema maps app, but there's, there's ways to do it a lot more sensibly and you've got to kind of plan your trip, but so many people just plan like a 5,000K trip like they would going 10K to the shops and, and then they don't realise till it's too late, um, which is great, but it's also all the station's jobs to try and fix that up at a time of year that it's very hard for us to get around. We might not even be able to drive if it's rained or mm. just not a lot of people around support us. So, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, plan your trips, people. Plan your trips. Be safe. Actually, Stay on the bitumen. Yeah. <laughs> Stay on the bitumen if you don't know how to drive on dirt. That's actually just
1: reminding me of a story I heard coming on the way to Tobermory. I stopped and visited someone. And um, this is so this is a secondhand story I've heard. But so we're talking about, you know, don't leave your vehicle, especially if you're out remote. But even this was a story. So two people from a station had gone into town like a ringer and the other one was a cook. And then on the way home, they kind of, you know, um, convoyed. But then this is the other thing, like one person got home and they weren't that far from the station. Um, But the cook, my understanding is broke down about 40 k's from the homestead, but then the person who they were in convoy with got back to the homestead, didn't wait, didn't check in, went off and did stuff. Anyway, the cook who broke down got out and went to walk and I think this person was maybe not in the best health in the first circumstance and then also it was in the middle of summer and ended up perishing 40 k's from the homestead on the driveway like and so you think oh maybe i have to be out whoop whoop way bush you know for that to happen but this is just somebody who'd gone on on a run into town to get some stuff you're driving with convoy from someone else from the station and you don't make it back home like you just wouldn't think that that's going to happen yeah
4: and i think that's a big thing like you know 40 k's long way the houses aren't on the road out here they're not you're not going to walk to a neighbour very easily. There's, um, and and I think it's just that other understanding that in our rainy or hot season, whatever, but that October through to April, there's not a lot of travelling that happens. Like it's really hot. We don't, you know, things are done in the morning or done in the afternoon, but there's not a lot of tourists. There's not a lot of people driving around. It's, it's, it's just a lot smaller sort of um, people. So you are just better to stay with your car. But, yeah, the... Um, the heat is something, I think, like some of the people that we found, like they've got out of their car and were walking like in December with a two-year-old and a four-year-old plus that, like had gone 17 k's from their vehicle when the ball runner picked them up um, from next door and brought them back. So, yeah, just it is a really dangerous sort of situation and it is like everybody, probably most of the stations are seeing there, but I know everyone... All the stations that are on highway like us feel the frustration and just wish people would, you know, just make smart choices really. Yeah,
1: and like you said, you can't rely on Google Maps, uh, Apple Maps. It makes me wonder though, you know, when people come out of their last, I wouldn't call Boolia a major service town, it's, what is it, a gas station and a – I don't know. It's, it's not a big yeah, town. In a but, you know, the last place on the bitumen with some fuel. Why is there not a giant ass sign that says, you know, you will not have phone service for the next 800 kilometers or whatever? Cause you don't. Um, you, the next fuel stop is, you know, 400 kilometers away or whatever. Um, so check your range on your tank. And if you don't get a jury can, um, And just, and, you know, there will be dirt roads or, I don't know, just something that's like, I know, I know sometimes when you're traveling along the highway, it'll show you, you know, the next fuel stop is this many cases. but I just, sometimes obviously hearing the the frequency of these incidences that you're coming across is like how, why we need to, I don't know, maybe we need to start some kind of petition to get big ass signs on the road to say like, you will not have, like, either have a UHF, but even then, if people aren't on duplex, you know, you don't know what channel other people are on, so you need a sat phone or a spot tracker or something like you will not have phone service you will not have two-wheel drive access you will not have fuel like how is this not
4: even i think even if you've got nowhere to we have just go into your local bcf equivalent and just grab one of those little personal ePurbs. yeah that'd be better than any if you didn't know what to get but yeah and you raise a good point and everybody we've got a little email group that we started sort of last year coming out of this as trying to find a way to stop people progressing past points when it's say most often when it's wet because people just want to get home and they don't listen they don't understand where they get what they're getting into that we can't drive on some of our roads for five six seven weeks here um, and it's, it's mainly because it says it's a highway. People think you can drive there all the time as opposed to some sort of stations more north of us. But yeah, so we're, it's, it's actually really quite productive in the Northern Territory Police and the Bullya Police and then all the sort of tourists and stations, um, through that deal with it. And we just all email and let each other know, sort of really up to the minute or if there's something through there. And yeah, we've sort of, um, as well as with the Northern Territory Infrastructure Group with the government. So they're all r- really helping to keep – and I, when anybody rings us for conditions, we just say, we'll check, you know, your government sites. We're updating them, you know, start there because people just don't even do something yeah. basic like that that is communicated. Um, but, yeah, we're sort of playing with looking out for grants or sort of working like Outback Way. They have good information on their website as well. You can imprint a map of your journey of that free. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's sort of like those are we there yet sort of signs that you see, you know, no phone range, you know, yes. no services for this, you know, no fuel, just so um, people understand how far it is because they go, oh, it's only this far to – like even on the weekend they don't realise that most of the fuel stops shut on the weekend. We're not 24-7 like in the middle of – in the city and they're like, oh, what, you know, can't get fuel." Surely if I knock on your door at two o'clock in the morning, you'll come <laughs> in.
1: <Archie, me>. Even <laughs> I got caught out with that a couple of weeks ago. I was heading from South Australia. Up the Streslecki track to Durham Downs, which is just in southwest Queensland. And uh, I'd be messaging, I was like, and I'd left one place and there was a 24 hour fuel stop. And literally the next fuel stop was Inaminka. And then Durham's like 150 from there. And I was messaging them, I was like, I'm just leaving this place now. I've just fueled up, which is yet yeah, my last thing. I was like, I'll just fuel up at Inaminka and then, um, then I'll come like to you guys. And they're like, Oh no, you won't get fuel. like, it'll be shut by the time you get in. Cause I was going to get there about six o'clock at night and they're like, Oh no, it shuts at five. And I was like, uh-uh. luckily I had enough just to, like, I just drove real <laughs> slow and, like, made it to Durham. And I was like, oh, even I know this. But, yeah, not even, you know, you might be passing through somewhere. You think 6 o'clock, I don't know, pretty much everywhere else I've ever travelled, 6 o'clock you can still get fuel. I understand, like, 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock, whatever. But, yeah. Yep. I think we're going to have to start at some kind of petition or something on Central Station. I mean, if people can spend, what is it, like, how many billions of dollars to upgrade already functional and – fine sporting equipment so we can have some bloody olympics <laughs> which i mean i'm not like against everything but i'm like how can you how do we have all such i don't know things like that and you can't even have basic signs out on the road to stop people from from perishing yeah
4: like, like it, it there's there's different programs that come up i know that you know in southwest queensland they had one that uh, has put quite a lot of signs up along their main traffic ways to educate vehicles to give way to road trains for example which is another thing a lot of people don't know that you've got to get off the road for that size truck which you still see is a big problem in here like there's there's that there but yeah like i inherently i don't believe people are trying to do the wrong thing but they just don't Don't know they just don't know or they don't realize the extent of what they're about to
1: it's so just set off into yeah whether you're out of the city or even if you've grown up in a rural area driving around in Yeah, rural Queensland, New South Wales, whatever. It's so different to, to being out here. So anyway, yeah. So I just thought that would be a good way to start the podcast. (laughs) Life lessons, everyone. Let's summarize this into some life lessons. One, never leave your vehicle. That's right. Well, and well, maybe one. Oh, okay. These aren't in any order. So don't yell at me if I get them in the wrong order, but always have water, a lot of water, like. I mean, it's you can go onto Woolies and buy, like, a five-litre thing, like, in the big plastic tub, like, have that. So water, never leave the vehicle, do not trust Google Maps. If you don't have a satellite phone, which for a lot of people that's an expense because the subscriptions can be pretty hefty, get a spot tracker or an APERB. And preferably, you know, I'm very lucky that when I travel, I call, like, oh, hey, I'm leaving this town because I've always got somewhere to go and people are expecting me. But if you're a tourist, like – you can't – it's not like somebody can go, oh, hey, Tannis, well, you don't know me, but I'm leaving Boullia now. And you're like, what? Like, you'd get those calls all the time. But so have you spot track your EPO. let someone else in the in the in in town know, like whatever, say, hey, I'm leaving Boullia, I'm headed to this station. If you don't hear from me within the next, like, 10 hours, can you call them and tell them to come look for me or something? Or
4: Yeah, that's it because there's no range. But, like, we'll always – if someone needs to let someone know they're safe, we'll always um – um you know let them use a phone to do that so um and i think every stop along here would do the same thing but if there's not a public phone available but yeah just let someone know the time frame that you should that they should be at the destination so they can go oh this person's not here and work their way back yeah yeah absolutely cool okay well well done well done safety step yeah (laughs)
1: Well, Jane, Jane Sale, who came up with Central Station, she's known as Safety Jane, and I am, yeah, I'm Safety Steph, we're pretty big on that stuff. Ain't nobody got time for the trauma of finding a perished person out somewhere. Like, Like, I don't need, we all got enough trauma in our lives without adding that to it.